If you would, open your Bibles with me tonight to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Ephesians, chapter 6. I count it a blessing and an honor to be asked to stand before you and to bring God's Word. And I think that uh, each and every one of us, each and every individual that is here should consider uh, the things that the rest of the congregation is thinking. I think this is actually the best time for us right now because we have a young man who's learning to preach. We have men that are willing to stand up and to teach. We've got someone who's never been in the pulpit before who has stood up and given two of the best sermons probably that we've heard in uh, who knows how long. And I am talking about Brother Justin. He, he, he has done a tremendous job. He's doing a great job of filling this pulpit. We have Brother Brian, who's willing to come as much as possible. I have to say, this has been a very sweet and precious time for this church. I can feel the spirit of the Lord among us. But if you would, we are in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 10. In verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, and I'm going to kind of give a little bit of context here. This is the end of his epistle to the Ephesians, to Ephesus. And so he's given... All of these things, and you heard Samuel read from it this morning, all the things about a preacher and all the things about loving your wife and loving your husband. And he's gone into all these. And so this is kind of his final thought for this epistle. He says, finally, my brethren. So this is kind of the wrap up of what he's, everything he's been saying. So all the book of Ephesians, what he's about to say to you is, this is why I've told you this. Okay? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your flesh and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all power and supplication. And the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mysteries of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, and therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we lift our hearts to you tonight and we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this building that we have to gather together as people in the name of God. That we meet here freely with no hindrance, at least at this point. Father, we lift up our hearts and we pray that you would continue to watch over and be with your churches. We pray that you would continue to watch over and be with your people. We pray, Father, that you would continue to bring people here to this church and that we would be a lighthouse in this community as you've asked. As you've commanded, actually, Father, for us to be. I pray that everything we do would be for one purpose, Father, and that would be for your glory. We pray that we honor you, your Son, and your Spirit in all that we do. 
We lift you up and we praise you and we give you thanks. In the name of your precious Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Tonight I want to ask you a quick question. Do you pay attention to the way that the King James translators have punctuated these sentences that we're talking about tonight? Do you pay attention to the punctuation, the way it's written? I hope you do. Because you will grow in leaps and bounds if you start to understand that colons and semicolons and commas and, and, and all these, they are bringing an extra point to the thought. So there's more to the thought than just this one piece. It's these two things that mean that are together are meaning the one thing. Yeah. And that the period is the actual stopping of that thought and the beginning of a new one. I believe that if you really pay attention to the punctuation in the way that our Bibles are written, it really starts to make more sense about con the concept of what they're trying to, to relay. Right? I've got this thought, I've got this thought. You can't end it, so we semicolon and we put these two thoughts together because they're really closely related. Right? I hope that if you don't pay attention to punctuation in your Bible, that after tonight, you have a little bit of an idea of why I think we should continue, to, that we should think about punctuation. We'll start with verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We'll point out, who are we strong in? Are you strong in your own strength? Are you strong in the things of you? I don't think so. Compared to the Lord, we're infinitely... Uh, it's like, I mean, there is really no way to compare it. A lot of people say, well, it's the difference between a human and an ant, but it's actually bigger than that. It's like this universe against an ant. It's really, really, really infinite how much stronger he is in us. So we are to depend on him and his strength. He says to be strong in the Lord, not us. It's a foundational belief. It is a foundational belief of, of Christians that we trust in God and no one else. We don't find, we don't find, you know, some scroll that was hidden in a corner of a cave and say that this is what we're supposed to trust in. We put our trust in God, in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we trust in. In verse eleven, it says, "Put on the whole armor. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil." Not just a little bit of the armor. The whole armor. You ever seen a soldier go to battle with only one boot? Or half a rifle? Or a rifle with no bullets? That's happened. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but you ever seen one that wanted to? I can't think of a single one of them that wanted to go to battle that way. You ever seen them go there and they, they have pants but they don't have, they don't have a top? Or everything they got is desert colored instead of jungle colored and they're going to the jungle. I mean, it just doesn't work. It's just to put on the whole armor. There's a reason why you put on the whole armor of God. Not just parts of it. Right? And some of us are really strong with some parts. And some of us are really weak in others. That's why you take on the whole armor of God. For a reason. To protect yourself against the wiles of the devil. Wiles of the devil. That old devil, he's smart. He's not stupid. He doesn't just hit you with one thing and then wait and see how it works out, hit you with another and wait. He is an expert strategist. He knows exactly how to hit you, how it hurts. 
He'll hit you with three different things right in a row because that's what it's going to. That's what he thinks it's going to take to break you. He's trying to break you down so that you'll curse your God. And the more he tries, the more we turn to the Lord. There's many wives for him to come after us with. We're going to need all of this armor to stand it and battle with it. This word "stand." So that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. This word stand, it, it, it doesn't really mean just to like stand up. So it's not like I'm sitting down right here and then I stand up. That's not what that connotation means. It has a connotation of taking something and holding it. I know everybody's seen the, the, the movies, you know, a war movie where they say, go take that hill. That's the idea. You go, you take that hill and then you stand your ground. You don't leave it. You don't give it up. You draw, here you go boys and girls, you draw a line in the sand and you don't cross it. And you don't let people cross over to you. You draw that line. This is where I stop. I'm not going any further because this is what I've got and I'm protecting what I have. I'm going to make a stand. That's what this word stand means. In verse 12 he says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle not physically with men, nor individuals that are here on the face of the earth. We don't grab them and wrestle them and beat them with the Bible until they believe it. It doesn't work that way. Believe me, I've tried. We wrestle with the things that are unseen. We wrestle with the unseen forces of the devil. And we're talking about the leaders or the rulers of the darkness of this world. There are men that are on this world that are the leaders of exactly what the devil wants them to be in charge of and they're pushing that agenda yeah. on everybody. Yeah. And we start to see it really bad in our country now. I'm not going to go bash in America because this is my country and I love it. It's funny, I was, I was uh, going to pick up something. I, I bought something off of Facebook from somebody the other day. I was traveling and I stopped at a quick trip in Fergus. I stopped to get me a soda. When I come back out, a young man knocked on my window. I was a little worried about it at first. He was like, I'm just, I need to ask you a question. Now, you all see the back of my truck. It's got the Marine Corps in it. You guys know that I served in the military. I wear this pin gladly and proudly because I served. And he asked me. And he asked me a question I've never been asked before. He said, given today's climate, would you go, if you were young, would you go in and serve this country? I told him yes. Because I don't go serve people. I went and I served this country that I love. I didn't go serve a president. I didn't go serve Congress. I didn't go serve the Senate. I served every American that sat in America. So yeah, I would go again. But it would be with that mentality. Knowing that I'm going to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States of America from foreign and domestic enemies. So yeah, I would go. Absolutely. Not saying I would stay, because they'd probably keep me out doing some stuff, but my point would be that yes, I'd go. It wouldn't bother me one bit. I'd never been asked that question before. Never. But we wrestle not with physical, the physical portions of men. We wrestle with their minds. We wrestle with those who are against themselves. And we say against themselves because natural man is not really the natural man. It's the spiritual man that matters. It's the spirit of a man. It's what he believes. And that's what we wrestle with. We wrestle with their minds. 
We try to change their thinking. It said in Timothy 2, 5 and 25 and 26, he says, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. So even, even the Bible says that they oppose their own selves. That they oppose themselves if God peradventure or perhaps will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And that they may recover themselves out of the snares of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. It's the devil's will to take them and he does it. Because their mind is opposing that which is right. And they're opposing what really they shouldn't be. They're opposing themselves because man was made and created by God. Therefore, God is in control. Therefore, God has, he has the whole and some of it. And every bit of it needs to be glorifying Him. And therefore, you're battling against yourself when you're battling against the Lord. But nobody can really battle against the Lord. Nobody can really say, what are you doing? So we're to wrestle with their minds to show them the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ in hopes that they will acknowledge that truth and they'll be saved. You know, it's actually harder to wrestle with a man's mind than it is to just actually go ahead and just wrestle with a man. You can have the physical altercation and it's a whole lot easier than trying to talk them out of something that they don't believe. <coughs> you don't believe me? Try it sometime. We do it. We're supposed to be doing it all the time. Everywhere we go, we're supposed to be talking about the Lord. Verse 13, he says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, Paul here reiterates to taking the whole armor of God. Now, when you see in any kind of Jewish writings things that are said more than once, they really want you to pay attention to what's being said. That's why we hear Jesus saying a lot, verily, verily. That's like, listen, listen. I've said it twice. You need to pay attention. So Paul has said it again. Take the whole armor. We're not talking about just the breastplate or just the helmet. You don't show up to battle without a shield. You don't show up. Now I'm talking the older style. You know, I've gone back to the centurion days, but you would never find them in a battle without a shield or a sword or their shin plates or their breastplates. You know, they always had their, you know, their war shoes on because they were able to withstand a whole lot more. There was nothing that a soldier went into battle with that he didn't have every bit of it to be prepared for that battle. So he says again, take the whole armor of God. But he gives a different reason this time. Rather than struggling against the wiles of the devil, he now says to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So not only to stand against the wiles of the devil, but also to withstand the evil day. Now, a little bit of study on this word. That word day, it's a, it, it, it's a connotation or an annotation of a time span. So there's a span of time. Not just a single 24-hour day, even though this word is used in context for that saying to talk about a single 24-hour day. Uh, but it's to be this specific Greek word, uh, the word is pronounced uh, uh, himera, is translated as day, as days, daily, a time, a long while, years, a whole age, always, another, days is in plural, ever. So it gives a connotation of a, of a time span. Right? It's used mostly to denote that there is a time period. So this evil day is a time span of evil that we are to endure. There's a certain time span that we as Christians are required to endure. I want to point out something. This day has an ending. 
It has a really distinct beginning, which has already happened. Christ died on the cross. And that was the beginning. And it's going to have an even more distinctive ending. Christ is going to come back to this earth. That's going to be the end of that evil day. So there's a time span. It calls that evil day. This time span that we have to endure. I want to point out that it is done. There is a place where it stops. It's not a continual day. It doesn't continue on. There's only the day of the Lord that continues. That will be forever. Paul goes on to state that having done all this, right, by taking on the whole armor of God, by getting yourself prepared, take a stand against these things. Remember this word stand is to make a stand. So it's to like to stand up to these things. And we're going to stand up to these things until the last day, until the last part of that evil day. So as long as you're here and you're breathing, and you're not in your glorified body, you're required to have this armor to fight the wiles of the devil and the, all throughout this evil day for this certain period, however long it be. For some of us, it's just short time than others. The Lord brings us home quicker than others. For sometimes, it's for some of us, it's a really long time. Which is a blessing in itself to have a long life. But there's a day that you have to wear this armor from the time you pick it up to the time the Lord calls you home or comes back, whichever comes first. But we're to stand against these things until that, the end of that day. Verse 14, now here's where I want to point out punctuation. You notice everything that we've read We've read right up to the period, up to the stop. This next one has multiple verses, and they're all the same thought. 14. Now keep in mind, all of these things that, that we're talking about here, all of these, the breastplate and the helmet, and all of these are sermons in their cells. There is no way that I'm going to be able to cover every single one of these and what they stand for, what they mean, and how we're supposed to supposed to use them. I'm simply talking about carrying the whole armor of God. I'm not able to go into in-depth on each and every one of these, especially not with the time that I have left. There's no way that I'm going to be able to cover that. However, keep in mind that there are several sermons just wrapped up in a couple of these verses I've read. Every one of them that's had the period. If you notice, we're going to start in verse 14. It continues on through verse, all the way down to verse 19. This is all one single thought. I'm going to break it up into a couple of things here real quick. But if you, think, if you look at it, verse 14 has a semicolon at the end, or a colon. It's hard to read. i got everything underlined, and i got too many markings here. But 15, and then I think 16 is the stop, right? Then 17, 18, and 19, and 20 are all one thought. And when you think about this, when you read these as a sentence or a paragraph, because remember, all of these were letters written to these, uh, to these churches. There was no chapters or verses. Paul didn't break it down into something to think of. The chapters and verses came later. Right? And I, 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 don't, I don't have an exact example, but uh, I've been told there's some examples of you'll be reading one chapter and it's not a period at the end of the chapter, it's actually a comma, and the next chapter carries on the same thought as the chapter before. So that's something to think about. It's like a lot of people would read it, oh, well, that's the end of the chapter. Well, but it's not the end of his thought. That's not the end of what he's saying. You can pay attention to the punctuation. But we'll start in verse 14. He says, Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. 
and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take in the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. There we will stop for a few minutes here. Now each of these is, is a part of the same thought. Paul states that since you have dressed yourself to stand, that you stand therefore with your loins girt with truth. A Christian is supposed to be truthful. Everybody talks about how God hates things. Well, God hates a lot. If you read about the things that God hates, that's one of them. The truth. Wearing the breastplate of righteousness. Why are truth and righteousness really not? Why are they separated here? I always thought truth and righteousness were kind of the same thing. Aren't they kind of one and the same? But they're really not because being untruthful definitely makes you unrighteous. But being unrighteous doesn't necessarily mean what you're saying is untruth. Because we're not really, we're righteous in the eyes of God, but none of us are completely without fault. None of us are righteous. No, not one. Read that in the Psalms today. None are righteous. No, not one. But a child of God should always be truthful. And he should always have the thought of being righteous in his mind. He should try to always be righteous. And righteous just simply means doing the right thing all the time. Not doing the wrong thing anytime. Now, who here, by a show of hands, has always done the right thing? I didn't think so. You notice my hand went down real quick. I've always done the right thing. As a matter of fact, I've done a lot of wrong things in my life. As a matter of fact, the Lord has shown me that I've done a lot of wrong things in my life. It's one of the reasons that I'm up here talking to you about the wrong things I've done in my life. You know, I don't want anyone to follow me in, in, in that unrighteousness. But we all have our own battle. It says to shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We teach a gospel of peace. We're not jihadists. We don't try to claim war on the heathen. We don't try to, even though a lot of people act like it, a lot of Christians act, just because they act like it doesn't make it right. Right? Just because we like to be fruit examiners and decide who's doing what and how good they're doing it. Just because we are that way doesn't mean we're supposed to be. We teach a gospel of peace. Not a gospel of violence. Not a gospel of hatred. Not a gospel of envy or strife. But of peace. It says to live peaceably among all men if possible. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had some pretty unruly neighbors. It's really hard for me to live peaceably with some men. Because they've been kind of unruly. But you try to follow what the Lord says. He says to live peaceably among all men. And we teach a gospel of peace. And since we teach a gospel of peace, really not, you need to be, try to be peaceful then. But above all these, he says, take the shield of faith to protect you from the fiery darts of the wicked one. He says to quench the fiery darts, as it's stated here. To quench the fiery darts. So you know the fiery darts are coming. Don't think they're not. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Listen, guys, this right here is your sword. This is the Word of God. Breathe, inspired, true, fully Word of God. 
And anyone who doesn't believe it, well, we have to teach them the truth. This is the breathed Word of God. It has to be the breathed Word of God or we don't have the breathed Word of God. It doesn't exist. And God said that He would protect His Word above all other things, above all else. Amen. That He would protect His Word. So, when you open up your Bible, you need to think, I have the complete, perfect Word of God. Because if you don't, where do you go? <laughs> If you don't have it, where do you go? You go to the Greek manuscripts or the Hebrew manuscripts? I can't learn another language just to, you know, just to learn about God. I mean, I could, and I do. I learn you know, Greek and Hebrew as much as I can. I try to understand the words behind. It's, it's a good thing to learn what these words mean. Because we have a different meaning for that word now in, in, the, in these days. That word stand simply just means to stand up. It means I'm sitting right here. And that word stand just means a stand. But if you read the Greek behind it, that word stand has a much bigger context. Yes. And so it's a good thing to learn the Greek and the Hebrew and to kind of get an idea of, of what the writers meant, right? What Paul meant when he wrote this word to stand. We ought to do the best to be well equipped for what is to come. Because it's coming and it's going to come home. Once a person takes on the title Christian, once he goes under that water to prove to the world that the Lord has changed his heart, that's when the devil starts to attack. The devil could care less about somebody who's unsaved and sitting in a pew. The devil could care less about somebody who's got a Bible in their house sitting on a chair or sitting on a shelf somewhere collecting dust. He can care less about those people. When the dust comes off, that's when he starts attacking. He can care less about someone who doesn't have any kind of conviction and he's just a pew sitter and doesn't do anything. But a man who's willing to stand up and preach against the things that are bad simply because, he, not whether he's called to, but because we're pastorless and you have to, a man who's willing to stand up and do that, the devil is worried about him and will attack. I had a perfect life before I was here at this church. When I started coming to this church, all of a sudden my life was going into shambles. I couldn't figure out why. I was, I'm finally going to church for it. What is the matter? Why is all of a sudden everything, why is all of a sudden, I don't have the money for rent, I don't have the money. Why all of a sudden am I having all these troubles? And then it dawned on me. The devil wasn't bothering me before I came here. But the minute I came to the truth of the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the minute I started to understand that and I became a believer, that's when the devil started coming at me. It's my belief that the devil doesn't bother a single person until they claim to be a Christian and start acting like one. That's when he's afraid. Before our salvation, he could care less. But we must equip ourselves to be the best that we can be with all of the armor, truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, Salvation, that's what these things represent. These are the aspects of the armor of God. We're not physically getting a breastplate, guys. I'm sorry to tell you young men, we're not physically getting a breastplate. Right? But when you get the righteousness, when you receive the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is your breastplate. We must work diligently with the sword to maintain these attributes. Right? Because this sword is going to teach you all about how to have those other things. Is it not? It's kind of funny how we, we 
He said, you know, he says, he who lives by the sword will die by the sword. You hope that's true? Never thought of it that way, did you? You just assumed that since he said the man who lives by the sword is going to die by the sword, that he was going to get killed with the sword. If he lives by the sword, he's going to die by the sword. Everybody pictures a sword that he's going to die with. Wouldn't you rather use a different sword? If I'm going to live by this sword, I'm going to die by this sword. It's going to be this sword that I live and die with. Not a physical sword. Trust me. We have to take care of these attributes much like a soldier takes care of his equipment. I don't know if you guys know this, but a lot of time and effort goes into making sure that your equipment is operational, that it is safe, and that it is ready. A lot of time. We would spend months making sure and testing and training with our gear to make sure that that gear could hold up to the rugged problems that we were going to run into out the field. We would spend months training with that stuff. And it was a lot of fun sometimes. And sometimes it was a lot of work. But there's not a single soldier on this face of this planet that wants to go into battle with broken, old, worn out gear. Now, I'm not saying that they're not forced to sometimes. <laughs> you know, sometimes you only got what you got. But there's not a soldier in the world who's not going to want to make sure that his equipment is ready when it's time. And we have to have the same mentality. We are soldiers of the cross. We are soldiers for the king. We are knights. We are princes. We are priests. The Lord has put us in a certain position to be the ones right here on the face of the earth wrestling against those men's minds. That's what we're here for. We have no other purpose on the face of this earth except for one. And that is to witness about the Lord Jesus Christ. To teach those that oppose themselves. That is our purpose. Once we have completed that purpose, once we've done everything the Lord has said in front of us, He brings us home and we're finished. Our race is run. That's the race you're running. I'm not trying to do better than Kay. I'm not trying to do better than Roy. I'm not trying to do better than my son. As a matter of fact, I hope my son does better than I ever did. I'm not trying to outrun anybody. I've got my own race set in front of me that the Lord has put in front of me and I've got my path to travel. Once that race is ran, I'm done, I go home. But we have this sword that we're supposed to use and it's described as sharper than any two-edged sword, so it's very sharp. And he explains it that way and coming from a soldier's mentality, coming from a marine's mentality, a sharp sword is not something to play around with. It's not something just to throw around and hurt people just because you can. You don't take your Bible and you don't hurt people on purpose just because you don't like the way that they're living. You don't act like these people that you know sit behind a keyboard and you know they talk about other people because there's no consequences when you're talking online. If you're going to talk to somebody, go face to face and talk to them. Tell them what you believe. Tell them why you think they're wrong. Put it in a context. Bring the Bible and be kind. You're not supposed to wield this sword around like you're some love nut idiot who just can throw it around and you can do it. I've seen a lot of men that, you know, they got, you know who I'm talking about, that got spec ops soldier with no neck. You know who I'm talking about, that big bull in a china cabinet. That's not who we're called to be. 
We're not called to bust down a door and go try to save somebody. We're called to go kindly knock on the door and tell somebody about the Lord. It's gospel of peace. That's what we're here to talk about. In verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto all with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, this is Paul writing to them, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds. Keep in mind, he was in jail when he wrote this to the Ephesians. That I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul asks specifically for the prayers of the saints because he knows how special they are to our God. If you don't believe me, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to move around just a little bit if you'll bear with me for a few minutes. 1 Peter chapter 3. And I disagree, brother. I don't think we should be marking in our Bibles where we're going. You know why? If I fumble around to get to 1 Peter... Everybody else is fumbling around with their Bibles too. It gives them enough time to get turned today. Especially if I fumble a little bit long. But we're in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. He listens. His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So his ears are turned to the prayers of the, of the saints. He, he listens. He hears the prayers of the saints. Peter got it from David. Turn to Psalms 1, 112. Psalm 112. Oh, didn't go far back. Psalms 112. And it's, it's scattered all over the Psalms. This is just one that I picked. If I can get to it, there it is. In Psalm 112 and verse the right one. No, nope, that's not the right one. Well, Solomon talked about it. Let's go to Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. We know he got it from his father. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 29. There it is. The Lord is, the Lord is far from the wicked. I Meaning He's not even near. The Lord is far from the wicked, but He heareth the prayer of the righteous. God hears the prayer of the righteous. God Himself gathers our prayers. Look in the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation. The revelation, we're going to get to it with uh, Brother Brian, I'm assuming sometime this century. Chapter 5. Revelations chapter 5 and verse 8. God, we know He gathers our prayers and He keeps them. And when He had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them. So this is all four beasts and the four and twenty elders, all of them having them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. So he gathers up the prayers of the saints, and at the end, they're all going to have the big golden vial of, of the prayers of the saints. God 
hears you. Your prayers are special to God. He listens. We tend to believe that He doesn't. Right? Because He's not answering it. But just because He's not answering it, doesn't believe that it's not something special that He doesn't gather. He hears the prayer of the righteous. Paul requests prayer for a very special reason, though. That utterance may be given to Him. Now, I pray for this a lot before I preach. That God would give me the words to say. That He may reveal the mystery of the Gospel to them that oppose themselves. That he may be bold in the utterance of the things of the gospel. Remember, he was talking to these people, so he was definitely thinking about what he told Timothy. That in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God, perhaps, or peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive at his, at his will. He wrote that to Timothy. So this is ever present on his mind. And he's asking these men for a specific prayer for that purpose. To talk to these men who oppose themselves. What a prayer. What a prayer. Yes. What an ask. Please pray that the men who come up here who are willing to teach and to learn at the same time. Because I sat there this morning and I learned from, from a young man, Brother Samuel. It was a great sermon this morning. He did a good job. Pray for these men that are coming up here that are filling this pulpit until our pastor is called. Whoever that may be. Pray that each of us in this church would continue in this sweet spirit of unity of the Spirit until we come under the faith of our you know, the, the, the unity of faith. Right? We don't all believe the same way. But we believe the same thing. We believe the Lord Jesus Christ. We may not all believe the same thing on how we're going to get there or what we're going to do. But those are petty things. At the end of the day, we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and all the things that are written in this book. We use this as our guide. We don't use this. This is the worst thing you could use, kids. If somebody ever tells you to follow your heart, you turn around and walk away. Mm -hmm. Don't ever follow your heart. That's right. Follow your head. Follow the book. Yeah. Follow what the Lord says. Yeah. Follow Him. May we all keep a teachable spirit. Yeah. May we all continue to pray with one another to keep us all humble and kind. I pray that this has been a blessing. I pray that you all uh, may continue in one accord with us until such a time as we all come together until we find this pastor who can actually lead this flock. And I pray that you guys, bless you, I pray that you guys will continue to pray. And I, the one thing I did love about Brother Pat, he did make sure to tell us to pray for each other. Even though I don't know what he meant by that, but I know what I do. I pray for everyone in this church. I pray that we keep that unity that we have. This sweet, loving, wonderful spirit that we all have together. It's been such a blessing to have, hear all these men that are coming up here and teaching. All those, especially those who weren't planning to come up here and teach and still did. I have to say, one of the things that, that I really appreciate most about this church is the sweet spirit that we have. The loving spirit that we have on toward them. I pray that we never that is my biggest prayer. That we always stay together with that sweet unity. Yeah. The 
with the loving spirit of the humble humbleness and kindness that we all have for Twitter It's a little bit harder for some of us to be humble than others. But I try. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your time that you've given us.